Welcome to Week Conversations, a new video and podcast series bringing you insights with impact into energy, economics, and a changing world in the COVID-19 era. This episode is moderated by my colleague, Carles Pasquale, Senior Vice President of Global Energy at IHS Market. Enjoy the conversation. Hello, this is Carlos Pasquale, and welcome to the Zero Week conversation presented by IHS Market. These are exclusive conversations with leaders in the industry and public policy and finance and technology that are tackling the challenges of energy transition and energy security and dealing with the COVID pandemic. And today we have an opportunity to have a discussion with a leader who has been in the industry and in public policy, who is the Minister of Energy of Ecuador and was the Secretary General of OPEC, Rene Ortiz. Rene, such a pleasure to have you and to have this discussion, welcome. Thank you, I'm so pleased, very, very pleased to be at the Zara Conversations. This is a real pleasure for me. I want to take you through a conversation about the things that Ecuador has been doing to reform its energy economy, from the oil and gas sector to fuels to addressing the concerns about the Amazon and climate change. But Renee, let's start with an immediate challenge for a small country. Energy transition, the pandemic, difficult in any circumstance, and you in a small country like Ecuador are taking this on at the same time that you're proceeding with your reform program. How does a small country manage this kind of challenge? It was an interesting challenge. Once it was declared the pandemic in Ecuador, I took advantage of the special situation, which is a special declaration by the president through a decree. And I took advantage to say that the entire three sectors, which are our under my jurisdiction. Mining, electricity, and hydrocarbons will not paralyze at all. And I ordered and I instructed that everyone, every institution, contractors, subcontractors, everyone will have to introduce a special sanitary protocols so that the industry will do everything it's in its best to manage the crisis, the sanitary crisis, without stopping. Why was taking this decision? What was the, the reason for this decision? Ecuador is a dollarized economy. As a dollarized economy, its sustainability is based upon exports which generate dollars. It is based on direct foreign investment which is basically dollars and is based on foreign debt. But the third one, this third one, is being practically exhausted. The country has no more financial capabilities from the international financial community. It exhausted. So we have to concentrate our policies specifically in these two sectors, attracting investment and exporting goods and services to the international community. And we succeeded, even though in the middle of the crisis in April, actually 
few days before the, the collapse of the WTI on the 20th of April, our three systems or pipelines collapsed because it was the time for tremendous um, flows of rain, tremendous. The rivers that moving across the, this, this, this foothills in, in, towards the Amazon upper basin. And it took the three systems and we immediately acted. We were fortunate that we had all the spare parts to conduct immediately the reactivation. And in a matter of one month, it was over. And in a matter of one month, we went through the entire process of remediation, environmental remediation. And the environmental remediation worked because we even went to this extent of cleaning up stung by stung in the river, in the river banks. So it worked, it worked. But anyway, the, po the point is that we continue exporting. Of course, we faced the problem of low prices in the hydrocarbon sector, but we continue exporting. And there were times in which we had offers which were unacceptable. So we simply didn't sell it. That was it. We didn't sell. But at the same time, the electricity sector was able to export kilowatts to Colombia and kilowatts to Peru. So we inaugurated to some extent another segment of exports which can support the dollarization of Ecuador. 99% is totally confident that Ecuador will not change its currency. So you really underscored the importance of preparation, literally leaving no stone unturned in the process of remediation that you went Indeed. through. Indeed. Um, private investment, export. And I have to come back to a topic that that goes back to your past when you were Secretary General of OPEC and Ecuador decided to leave. Your emphasis now is on private investment. Why did, why did Ecuador leave OPEC and what kind of challenges does that create to pursue this drive to private investment, which is so critical to your future? It is not only the pandemic, which only reactivated the, this opportunity for the private sector. We have been talking about it ever since the government changed, that uh, this new government was inaugurated. They took the challenge, the challenge of dismantling the state enterprise, dismantling the monopoly the monopoly period, I'm sorry, that, that existed. And the challenge was due to several aspects of an industry. The number one aspect is obsolescence, technological obsolescence. Because all these equipments, parts, refineries, pipelines, everything has a timeline. The government has not, no money because this industry 
was finally understood, the people had understood that this industry is a, is a capital intensive industry. You have to put capital in to get capital out. So you have to be along, you have to live along with technology. So the private sector had a chance and we, and, and particularly with me, we have invited the private sector to take a major role. But you have to give signals to the markets, whether or not you, you are credible or you are doing what you're saying. So first, the, first, the first signal was a reforming entirely of the internal market fuels consumption. A new market concept through market prices. These market prices attached to WTI because very, very many of the fuels we consume internally are imported. The three refineries we have do not produce, my dear friend, do not produce the fuels we consume internally. We have to import 70%, 75% of the gasoline 82% of diesel oil for our mobile sector. So it was cruel, but it was true. So free input of fuels. And what is the meaning of free import of fuels? It means that if a company imports a new fuel, a new, he can automatically place it on the, on the gasoline station, the price. Whether or not he sells it, that's his problem. If it is too high the price, or if it, is if it is too high, he will not sell it. But if it is low or according to market conditions, he will sell it. But for the first time, he will sell quality. Renee, what you're saying is not insignificant. Hydrocarbons were 50% of Ecuador's export revenue. So you're talking about massive portions of the economy. So now that you're promoting competition with Petro Amazonas, what's happening? What are you doing to ensure that you have continuity in production? But in the end, you also have to be responsible to the state for its revenue. Are you still able to maintain that continuity of revenue? Yes, it will be. It is a challenge. But we actually, I have to, to place some two concepts. We actually never closed the opportunity for the private sector to, to participate in EMP activities. We have had a role of the private sector, particularly the international private sector, in EMPs, in the EMP sector. Yes, they did have. What we didn't have is credibility of how to handle these relations, government companies relations. We, we were not able the policies of the, of the governments, the different governments were so different, they actually developed uncertainty for the companies. But today, I think it is clear for the companies and the international community companies, it is truly, they feel that we are changing because we don't have any other option because the dollarized, a dollarized economy is a subject we have to have it in our agenda. So you, you raised before the issue of opening up fuel imports. 
other countries have sought to pursue that, many have been scared. They've been scared of shortages, that they would not be able to provide the necessary imports um, or the necessary supplies. How have you dealt with public fears of shortages? How have you created confidence that this can work? Not easy, not easy. There's of course a great deal of nationalism, sentiments in the community internally. And you have to deal with them. And the, the way you deal with them is by accepting all sorts of talks, conversations, conferences, interviews. In other words, use, use all these electronics, these this internet means and ways so you can communicate that we are living different times and that the pandemic only, the, the pandemic only made it clear to everybody that we are living different times. It is the time for the government to divest. It is the time for the government to transfer a number of inter industrial sites that we have to the private sector. The private sector will have a commitment. Number one is to take this industrial units and put it into the right, in the, with the right uh, proportions of, 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 of producing what they have to produce, refineries, not the way they're doing today. As I said, producing the fuels that we do not internally consume, this is wrong. So this is a task for the private sector, but at the same time, introduce high conversion. High conversion in the refineries is important because the, the bottom of the, the, of the barrel, it is so big in our, our three refineries, that is a waste, is a waste of value. So this is another commitment in, in terms of how the private sector can take advantage. But we're moving, we're taking another step forward, is opening up for natural gas. Natural gas will have as a new fuel, the opportunity with this policy of free imports, will have a chance to develop the natural gas market in Ecuador, not only to generate electricity. No, it's also to, to, to make the a dramatic change in the consumption in the automo automobile in the sector so that we can switch from uh, to, to natural gas and substitute the diesel consumption. Because diesel, especially in the highlands and even at the foothills, and the highlands, it has is, is, is a, a very is, is, is wrong to use diesel. The, the, the power you lose is enormous. So it is, 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 it is almost like a clear, a clear direction of substitution of fuels which are not capable for the, for the, for the market with new fuels that will take over these markets in the future. Indeed, it, it takes us into the issues related to the power sector. And as you stressed, you didn't stop with competition and just hydrocarbons. You took it to electricity as well in competition with state power company Select. Give us a sense of how that process is going. Are you, is, is it, are you able to drive private investment in a way that is is expanding overall generation capability and improving the fuel mix for the country? We're taking two paths in this context. One is we call it 
the policy monetization. It means that some of these industrial sites, power generation, will be our ongoing businesses. They will be transferred to the private sector. Yes, immediately. They don't have to build, of course, building new ones, hydros or renewable energy. Yesterday, I inaugurated a new set of opportunities for photovoltaic and wind power for the private sector. We invite the private sector. We put at their disposal 200 megawatts more for the private sector, only addressing to new uh, renewable energies, photovoltaic and wind power. It is addressing them. Even the Galapagos Islands are changing from diesel oil to uh, renewable energies, photovoltaic and, and, uh, and wind power. So this is the avenue, the, the monetization. We transfer ongoing businesses generating electricity towards the private sector. And the private sector will take over 25 years, 30 years, whatever, contracts of putting in place if they needed more power. Now is, is an opportunity for many investors because in the past we didn't export, but now we export electricity too. So the investor in the electricity sector will have a chance to say, hey, we don't even have to deal with monetary system changes or things like that. This country will generate, we'll export the kilowatts and we will collect, full stop. And at the same time, we're promoting all these renewable energies. We are blessed. This is a country blessed on natural resources. Truly, very blessed in natural resources. So we are entering into this phase, new phase of dealing with climate change. And this is part of the entire change. Dealing with climate change means dealing with this decarbonization process. This is what we are trying to promote, the, the consumption of natural gas. And it's not only for the generation of electricity, as I said, but also for the, the, the automobile sector in, in the country, especially the big trucks, which are use, using a lot of diesel and the diesel is not the right, the proper fuel for, for those. And these times, these times, that's the point. There's so many issues you put out there, and let, let me pick just one of them right now, just the, the issue of access to power and addressing some of the concerns of the indigenous communities. These measures that you've taken of private investment and competition, are you giving more access to more people to power? And is it reaching out to indigenous communities in a way that is allowing them to see some of the benefits of the strategy that you're pursuing? Excellent question. Because actually the country had reached 97% of coverage, electricity network. But we have certain communities which cannot be reached through the networks. For those, solar photovoltaic is the solution. And we are moving into that. It's not too big, the number of communities which will benefit from directly from renewable energies, because we will not be able to, to, to reach them through our network system. But the country is quite well served. And we, were, we, 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 we are so thankful that we have 
so much hydro is about almost three-fourths of our electricity generation, which is hydro. And it's only one-fourth one of it, which is still, we still have thermal, and we are actually moving away from the resets or fuel oils to, you, to be used in the thermal generation of electricity. Now, the communities are quite well with access, but will be better served through this process of approaching them with photovoltaic electricity. And Ecuador, as, as you said, it, it's blessed. And you have the Galapagos, but you have the Amazon. And as you stressed already, climate change is a central concern for every country. It has to be for you. And you have a national, a global treasure that you have to protect. What kind of measures have you been able to incorporate into your energy development strategy that take into account the critical importance of the, uh, of the Amazon as, as both a measure to, a means to absorb carbon and something which is critical to global environmental stability, not just within the country? Well, I think the policies that we have set in terms of energy, new energy developments, are giving us the right signal to the international community of investors. Come and test that is possible. As of yesterday, it was launched this new plan, this new program. Come and test that we will respect contracts that we will subject to rule of law. This is good, good as a message because the previous regime somehow made a terrible mistake and it discredited the country by forcing international investors to do what the government thought they should do. But this was against, against their own contracts, against their own feelings of how to deal in the government companies' relations. So the message of today is we are opening our sectors, this very important sector, the minerals, the electricity, and the hydrocarbons. And we have rule of law as the flag of this government. The government will not participate. Actually, we do have uh, uh, interests which are coming directly to the ministers. Hold it. We're not handling this. You don't have to have contracts with the government. No, you have to develop your own, your own project on new electricity and new renewable energies, whatever, you yourself, you have the umbrella. The legal system is already adapted for the private sector to do, to, pl to put in place their initiatives. We don't, you, don't you don't need the government. The government will regulate, yes. And we are shrinking also all the bureaucratic system of Ecuador. It was almost 10 times what was needed. Terrible, terrible, terrible. 10 times. Well, the shrinking takes care of many things, but it, the most important is efficiency in the regulation. So I reintegrated three, eight, three different agencies in the mining, electricity, and hydrocarbons in just one regulatory 
agency. This is another process. And another process, the fusion or reintegration of the two petrol, uh, state petrol, state-owned petrol uh, companies in, in Ecuador. Well, two weeks ago, I made the decision to put them together again, to unify them. Well, by putting together two different institutions, you have to have, you have to take into account the people. Well, this, this fusion of these two oil companies, state oil companies, count, account for more than 10,000 people. This is too much. We have to also take care of the problem of with how much people, how many people do we need to, to adapt the new, the new company that is being put in place as part of this fusion. So this is the message to the private sector. Take advantage of this new wave of opening to the private sector. Not on local tools, local tools, yes. There are opportunities for locals because in the, in the new power uh, system of photovoltaic and, 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 and wind power, the size of the projects are really adaptable to local investors and their size of business. Minister, ambitious is a, a, a modest adjective uh, relative to what you're seeking to do. And I wanna close out with one final question about coalitions. Coalitions are not new to you. You had to build them in OPEC. You've built them throughout your entire life. And seeking to do so much obviously has political implications as you just indicated. How do you maintain the coalitions that are necessary to succeed? International coalitions is, are extremely important today, especially under this umbrella of a new normality. Everyone talks about it. I don't think we know, we all know what it is truly this new normality. But I think the lessons that we have out of this pandemic period are clear and coalitions are so important. We are fortunate that we have in Latin America a number of institutions that will be, that will have to be re-encouraged, probably redirecting their, their means and ways so that coalitions will work. And I think the three Americas, the Americas in general, have a great challenge to see each other's, to seek each other's. There are so many beautiful, fantastic opportunities in the three Americas. And I think the United States in this case plays a great role, leading, leading this reunification of the three Americas, the reunification of the continent. Renee, you, you've touched on several key words, a special situation, creating a new normality. And within that new normality, you need to drive investment, but you need to do it in a way that delivers benefits to people while paying attention to the critical environmental resources and gifts that you've been given. It's an incredible agenda. We wish you the best success in Ecuador. Thank you very much for joining us. The Minister of Energy for Ecuador, Rene Ortiz. Rene, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Carlos, it was a pleasure.
Thanks again for tuning in to another Sierra Week conversation presented by IHS Market. For the complete video series and previous episodes, visit us online at sierraweek.com.